0: This bonus episode of the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WBEW 107.7 LP FM Brattleboro Communities Brattleboro's Community Radio Station. And this may also be appearing on BCTV as well as our SoundCloud page and our Facebook page. I am your host, Olga Peters. Welcome Emily Kornheiser. Just to give everyone a little context. Emily is speaking to us from her vehicle. She is driving hands-free at the moment. Well,
1: I'm I'm using my hands to drive. Yes, you are. Um,
0: But you are on your way to Montpelier despite the fact that uh, you weren't supposed to go to Montpelier today. So tell us, Emily, in real time, in breaking news, what is happening?
1: So as... People who have been listening to the last two shows might remember, before the House recess two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, we passed a few pieces of COVID legislation, Um, essentially an emergency health care bill, an emergency government operations bill, and an emergency economic unemployment insurance bill. And then we recessed and went home, and over the last week and a half, the Senate, that their committees met virtually, and then to move those bills forward. And then yesterday, they took turns voting on the Senate floor to pass those bills. In the meantime, the House has been working out how we're going to then vote to concur with the Senate. And came upon a solution that essentially all three parties and the independents, so the Democrats, the Progressives, the Republicans, and the independents, all came to an agreement that a few people, just a handful, would go to the legislature um, to vote on passing these bills as well as passing an emergency declaration and a rules change that would allow us to vote remotely in the future. Okay. So that was all supposed to happen today at 1 o'clock. And the way it sort of worked in the strange world of legislative rules was that if no one asked for a quorum, a vote could be taken without a quorum. And all the people from all those parties had hypothetically agreed to not ask for a quorum.
0: Which is how they got to, that's how they could agree that only a handful would go and vote. Indeed. Ah, okay. Because
1: all of the pieces of legislation had been sort of sent around a thousand times over, for everyone to look at and voice their objections and decided that in these emergency situations where it is unsafe for people to be gathering and especially unsafe to where all the staff that need to be in the legislature to support us on, while we're in session, um, better for us to be remote. And so many of us were listening to the VPR live stream today at one o'clock to hear the final vote about this rules change to allow us to then vote remotely in the future. However, one person, Cynthia Browning from Arlington, asked for a quorum. Huh. And it is unclear um, to members of the two different parties that I've spoken to who were there, as well as independent that I've spoken to who is there, why she did that and what her purpose was, other than to cause a big stir, And so all of these legislators from all over the state are now, we have hopped into our vehicle, and we are driving north, south, east, and west to get to Montpelier by four o'clock in order to vote on this emergency COVID legislation and for this rules change so that in the future we can vote remotely.
0: So what does this mean for the legislation,
1: what if for some reason
0: you can't get that quorum?
1: If we can't get that quorum, um, which all signs point to yes, about fifteen minutes after we were all requested to come in, I think the count of people who were able to come was up to like sixty-five or something, and we only needed the seventy. So. Okay. Um, I think it's going to happen, but if it doesn't happen, that means that the vote will need to get tabled for another day when we do have a quorum, and we will have to make plans for all of us to come together in a different way, which, as I said, in addition to the fact that um, throughout this process, I've had concerns about how all of us coming from all over the state together and then dispersing to all over the state has, you know, a lot of potential for some bad vectors, Mm -hmm. right, Um, it also puts at health risk the staff that are working in the building, of which there are many that are needed if we are gathering, as well as um, there are a lot of legislators who are medically vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so really hoping that this works today. I hope. I wish that the quorum had not been called because we had all come to agreement on the legislation, um, but hoping that this sort of final hurrah works and um, looking forward to seeing my colleagues from six feet away.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it. this situation as a reporter, this brings up some interesting issues for me, namely around um, the public's right to know, you know, and to make sure that our lawmakers are operating in an open and transparent and accountable and documented um, way, which a lot of towns, uh, if people read the comments next week, I'll be doing an article on uh, towns who have moved to Zoom meetings and and online meetings, that type of thing. But um, at the same time, it did sound like the state, the lawmakers had sorted that out for today as far as public's right to know.
1: Absolutely, and there haven't been any, all of the versions of these bills have been circulated multiple times over publicly. Um, And the debates on them have happened in the committees of jurisdiction. And that has been absolutely open to the public, um, either via YouTube stream or uh, um, call-in number. Mm -hmm. And so these conversations have been quite transparent. Um, Media has been invited in for them. And so it's, yeah, there's nothing to actually deliberate today. And that happens all the time, that generally deliberations are over by the time we get to the House floor. And for, you know, sneak- sort of like little sneaky secret for our listeners generally any deliberation that happens on the house floor is just for theater the issue is decided before it gets to the floor so again i have to think that there is nothing but theater involved in this need for all of us to drive up there but i'm hoping that i will find a greater reason once i arrive
0: and remind us what is are in the the pieces of legislation that you're voting on today
1: Absolutely, Um, and we've talked about those a little bit before. So there's one piece of it that's around healthcare, um, and that is changing some of the rules and regulations to allow greater flexibility for people to get into the healthcare workforce so that we can expand that workforce on an emergency basis. Um, So that's changing some licensing regulations, things like that, bringing people in retirement out, um, suspending some um, need for relicensing um, at sort of the one-year mark and stuff like that, um, expanding payments to folks who provide healthcare services who it's in their client's best interest for them not to be providing those services right now, but need sustained Medicaid funding to survive. So one example of that would be adult daycare services. Mm-hmm. So you don't want people gathering for, like, seniors gathering right now, but if those – agencies don't receive the disbursements that they would get for sort of di- providing daily service, they will likely fold in the interim. So there's a lot of sort of emergency funding for organizations that function that way. And then, um, and sort of similar things expand into the arena of childcare and um, the Department of Motor Vehicles and a few things like that, but it's primarily a healthcare bills.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the second bill um, is the bill that expands unemployment insurance um, and holds empl- employers harmless for any unemployment insurance benefits that are collected due to COVID.
0: And that reminds me, there's there's something you've been talking about with some changes for the unemployment um, system that I, I hope you, you wouldn't mind just explaining a little bit because I need a little more understanding on it. It's the idea that um, even if someone's collecting unemployment benefits, their employers can also supplement their
1: income? Oh, yeah. Um, So, and this is actually, um, this happens at a rules change. We don't need to pass legislation for this, but it's fascinating. So, um, unemployment insurance is not a full replacement for pay. It's just a percentage of pay. And the percentage of pay depends on sort of where on a pay scale you are, so I can't explain, you know, I can't use exact numbers for people. But let's say your pay was being replaced by unemployment insurance at, say, 70% of your previous pay. Mm -hmm. In this particular case, and just during this period, an employer who has laid you off because – you are, you know, either you personally are not able to work because of COVID or because the company had to shut down because of COVID um, or temporarily shut down because of COVID, that employer, if they have the funds to do so, are allowed to supplement up to your previous pay. So pay that sort of 30% that would bring you up to your full previous salary. Uh Does that make sense? Okay. And so it's a way for workers to be able to retain their full pay scale with the costs being split between state governments, the unemployment insurance trust fund, and their employer who is not using their labor right now.
0: Thank you. That's uh, that's fascinating, Emily, and, and I didn't realize it was a rule change. I thought it was a piece of legislation. Um,
1: I wish I could take credit for it, actually, but I can't. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you to whoever thought of that. (laughs) Um, Before we we go on and talk about the governor's order that goes into place. Oh, wait, no,
1: there's one more piece of the bit. There's one more piece of legislation. That's good because I was
0: going to ask you if there's any
1: more you wanted to add. (laughs) Yeah, the last piece is um, comes out of the Government Operations Committee in the House and Senate. And that looks at all of the things that um, you were talking about around the media, basically. So right now, um, electronic participation in a public meeting is allowable as long as one person is somewhere in real life and is able to host the public attending. Mm Mm-hmm. And what we have seen is that many of our municipalities are hosting meetings like this. Um, I know Dummerston, for instance. There's one member of the select board who's been sitting with a laptop outside of the Dummerston town hall, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people can sort of gather outside and sort of, you know, spread out um, at six foot intervals. This person stands there with a laptop outside. Um, And so what this legislation, uh, what this piece of the legislation allows is for meetings to be moved entirely online, as well, as long as there is a comprehensive way for people to participate. Right. The public to participate, not just listen, right? That's the big difference. You can't just allow the public to listen. You have to allow the public to um,
0: participate.
1: Right, to ask questions
0: and provide feedback.
1: And then the another piece of it um, changes some of the rules around elections, um, so that the number of signatures. Because we are coming up on the deadline for when candidates for the November elections and the primaries need to submit um, their paperwork to be put on the ballot, and a certain number of signatures is required for that. And this is not a very good time for people to be collecting signatures. <laughs> You don't want to be handing around a pen and a clipboard right now.
0: Yeah. Those are and high-touch so, surfaces.
1: Very high-touch services. And so um, this allows an emergency change and just for, you know, a period while we're still in a state of emergency. Um, and all of these changes are very, very explicit that these are just while we're in a state of emergency mm-hmm. um, that waives the um, signature requirements. Um, and moves the filing deadline up a little bit. And then there's also some changes in how voting's going to take place um, that really gives the Secretary of State some leeway to figure that out um, as the Secretary of State sees fit, but will likely involve mailing ballots to people.
0: Okay.
1: And there are states that mail ballots to every household and see an incredibly high voter turnout. I think Washington state does that now already. And have a much higher voter turnout than
0: we do. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, fantastic. Thank you for for those summaries, Emily. Let's uh, shift to the governor's order, if you're ready for that. I am, yes. <laughs> so um, starting tonight, I believe it's 5 o'clock the governor has ordered a stay home stay safe which requires some additional closures and asking vermonters to or orders vermonters i should say to to minimize their activity outside their home so why is this order important and why is it different from some of the orders that came before it
1: So it's the most explicit order because all the other orders, for the most part, have been sort of bit by bit Mm -hmm. ways to reduce um, the number of people who are gathered in one place. Because what we know we need to do is flatten the curve so that while we know that we're going to see a lot of Vermonters infected and affected, um, we want to make sure that that's happening slow enough that we don't overwhelm our healthcare system as we try to ramp up the capacity of our healthcare system. And so what each of the orders leading up to this has put in place is more and more effort at social distancing. Um, but it really hasn't been enough. People are still finding ways to get really close to each other um, in the course of their daily lives. And it's really, I think there's still a lot of Vermonters who either don't feel like they're gonna be impacted or um, have such a strong need to get out and about, whether that's a financial need or a social need, um, that they're not sort of following the intent around previous orders. And so this one just like really lays it on the line and says, you need to stay in one place unless it's really necessary for you to do something else. And there are a lot of loopholes, you know, still. Mm-hmm. Um, and first, you know, for good reason. So. People who provide essential services are still being asked to continue providing those essential services. Um, Hardware stores, you know, if you're plumbing breaks, you want to be able to go get a part for that. Right. Um, Or if you want to build your own ventilator, I guess. Um, To provide support to the population, Um, so my employer use services some of the folks who do direct service um, are still sort of allowed to be out and about serving the folks in the community that are, you know, precariously housed. Um, And so, and then, of course, healthcare workers, childcare workers who are serving essential personnel. Um, It's a pretty endless list, and since you're the one with the computer and I'm the one in the car, it's probably better for you to go through the list than me. But also say this is sort of, I think, you know, the last step or the next to last step in saying, we're taking this seriously. No one's going anywhere until we really let this cloud finish passing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I do have the order in front of me, Emily. Thank you. And so I'll just read a little bit from it. Um, so effective today at 5 p.m., all businesses and not-for-profit entities not expressly exempt in the order must suspend all in-person in-person business operations, um, operations can still happen online by the phone. Um, curbside pickup is okay. Um, delivery is okay. Um, some of the businesses that are exempted, um, as as Emily said, healthcare, retail serving essential human needs, grocery stores, pharmacies, hardware stores. Um, anyone who's who's helping with hygiene. Or making sure houses run properly, such as fuel producers. Um, you can still gas up your car. Um, critical infrastructure, news media, and transportation, and critical manufacturing sectors. So, someone making band aids, uh, ventilators, masks, those type of of uh, manufacturing sectors as well.
1: Are, are legislators included?
0: <laughs> you know, it's, I don't well, see legislators I'm not mentioned,
1: this right mentioned now. anywhere. I don't well, know, I really hope you passed us today, then. <laughs> um, what's an interesting piece of this, um, you know, just to sort of bring the two pieces of our conversation together, is that because there's a prohibition on large gatherings, as well as sort of a um, ethical mandate and a health mandate to, um, you know, physically distance ourselves, mm-hmm. we're actually going to have to vote in tranches. So the... Um, Chief of the Capitol Police is developing a system for us to vote ten, to sort of come in and out of the House chamber. I think ten at a time or something.
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah. I hope it doesn't rain or get too cold.
1: Will you oh, be standing outside?
0: Did you bring a jacket? I,
1: I actually am really pleased that I did remember to bring my jacket as I was running out of the house. But I am wearing cotton socks, so. Mm. You know, I think there are people who are suffering much worse than me and my cotton stock. So, um, and I really am, I'm happy to do it uh, if it means that we're going to get these bills passed because they're really important.
0: They are critical. Um, One last thing about the order the governor just uh, made is it will be in effect until April 15th. And I think that's really also worth noting because it just highlights some of the uncertainty about what this this virus could mean in our community, but
1: also that this is going to be a long haul. Yeah, and um, I, you know, a few people that I've spoken to already have noticed that that date is actually after the date that the schools were hypothetically going to reopen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, again, really just noting that April 15th is hypothetical, whatever that date was that schools were going to reopen is hypothetical, we might, you know, all be in this for months more. We really don't know what's coming.
0: Yeah. All these dates, what we should see them as are re-evaluation dates, not start yes, dates. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the legislature, we often use sunset provisions in a bill, not to say we think this project will be finished in four years or five years, but to say we know that in four years or five years, we really want to think seriously about what comes next and how well we've done. Mm-hmm. And. I think these dates are really similar they're sort of touch points to say where are we and what needs to happen now
0: some of the models i have been kind of clocking online uh data models about how uh different scenarios might play out of whether we do lockdown or shelter in place or what have you Um, but all these models extend out into the summer yeah so yeah we um we have a long haul uh just as an aside this is kind of a cute story i heard from a friend today who's in london and we were talking about what london is doing around covid and and he had said that before covid hit the scene they were dealing with brexit yeah and he and his brother panicked just a little bit and over a few months basically built a bunch bunker in their parents' house and hoarded food and toilet paper and rice and all these things. Um, and, and then when they finished, they felt a little silly, like, Oh, maybe we overreacted just a bit. Um, and then COVID hit the scene. And so he's like, yeah, we're good now. (laughs) We've got everything we need. We're prepared. We're hunkering down. That's so funny. (laughs) And
1: I think, you know, sort of similar, you know, um, I think a lot of Vermonters live in something of a perpetual Brexit. Um, The Vermont secessionist movement is real. We have so many people who have moved here to come back to the land through multiple generations. So I think we as a people are better prepared for both the resiliency that's going to be required of us ahead, the ability to stay inside, or alone for long periods of time, and a really strong local food system. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really hopeful that if we can figure out sort of the economic impacts and the healthcare impacts of this, we are going to be, I think socially, we will be able to weather this in a way that a lot of other communities might not.
0: Yes, I agree, Emily, and thank you for for saying that because it's a good reminder, even though We have strong communities. I think it's great in these times of crisis to remind us where our strengths are. Absolutely. Yeah. So anything you wanted to add, because I I don't want to test the cell signal for too much longer (laughs) as you're going up 91. Anything you wanted to add or you think is really important for people to understand today?
1: I think people just need, um, I just really appreciate how curious folks have been about what next steps look like and what implications are, and just, you know, reminding people to stay connected to each other and ask a question of a trusted source if you're curious or scared.
0: Yes. Yeah, this is a good time to make sure you're vetting your information.
1: Yeah, and that, you know, we're all here for each other, um, and I'm here to answer questions as are, I think, um, most anyone else involved in state government right now, so... Stay connected, stay curious, and um, wear warm socks. <laughs>
0: Representative Thank of the you, organizer. Olga. Thank you.